Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right. That's awesome. I love that intro. It's uh, it is so true too. Isn't it though? It's unbelievably true. Isn't it though? And if you can't make fun of yourself, you shouldn't be making fun of other people. And since we like to make fun of other people, we do like to also make fun of ourselves. Kind of frees up that, uh, I don't know, makes me feel a little better about it. All right. Well, it's episode 117 for January 16th, 2013. On today's show, we're talking about problems with cat poop. Just let that sink in for a minute. Uh, yep. <laughs> picking the right joint for the job and some listener advice on joiner blade sharpening and buying used bandsaws. But before we get to that, let's have a word from our sponsors. Today's show is supported by ArborTech, makers of creative wood shaping tools. Their latest product, the TurboPlane, is the smoothest, fastest, and safest way to freehand shape wood. See it in action at arbortech.com.au and be sure to join their woodworking club for free plans, ideas, and other benefits. Remember to tell them that the Wood Talk guys sent you. And by Microjig, creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block, an American-made precision safety guidance system for the table saw and the wood shop. Visit microjig.com to sign up for their newsletter today. Sweet. As always, folks, I just want to remind you that if you have any comments, questions, or maybe a topic suggestion, we're getting some great feedback from people. There's several different ways that you can contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Look for us. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Don't forget, you can email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. And, of course, you can leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or the downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at WoodTalkShow.com. And definitely, after today's episode, if you do have some uh cat shop horror stories um <laughs> i personally would like to enjoy them because uh i, I would like to have somebody be able to people, re- not relate, cat to, house. relate to <laughs> there you go sounds good all right let's move on to what's on the bench get started the right way shannon what's going on dude uh let's see i am i'm building a new table drop leaf table started a, another project for the hand tool school i think i finally finished the commission in the creepy catacombs Good, um, good. That sounded scary. Yeah. Well, it, was dark, it was a dark and rainy night the other night, and I was down there, and it was, uh, yeah, it's creepy. So I think I'm I think I'm done there. I'll probably end up doing one more thing, but I'll do that under the bright daylight. <clears throat> so nice. um, I actually just today in the mail received a bunch of table leaf hinges from Horton Brasses, so I'm excited mm. to go down and, and uh, set up my rule joints. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Would you say that's pretty much like the the biggest challenge with that particular build is the rule joint? Is there a rule (laughs) for handling the rule joint? Yes. (laughs) Yes, there is a rule. You know, the funny thing is, is the rule joint itself, like cutting the actual wood part is really very, very easy. Mm -hmm. It's integrating that hinge at exactly the right spot, which... You know, it really shouldn't be that hard. I mean, it's a matter of lining up the center of that circle of rotation, basically in line or slightly ahead of the fillet. So what it comes down to is just creating a very precise mortise. Right. But so, um, you know, I don't I don't think it's terribly hard. I think the most challenging part of this table is actually the, the compound uh, mortise and tenons. Okay. Because it, right. it has a splay to the whole thing. Um and I, I really shouldn't even say that yet because I haven't made the top yet, and I'll be resawing that by hand 
from a 20 inch wide piece of walnut. Mm, that sounds <laughs> that fun. That would probably be the most challenging part of the whole build. That sounds fun. You want to come over and use my bandsaw? <laughs> you have 20 inches of capacity? Oh, sure. Do you? I don't know. I haven't ever put anything that big under it. <laughs> I honestly don't even know what I've got. <laughs> I think the resaw bandsaw at the lumber yard only does like 18 or maybe 24 inches. I don't most. know. We'll figure it out. But it's not in the Spagnolo workshop, so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, we'll that sounds to, cool. We'll go to Norm's shop. He's got to have that capacity. Oh, I bet he does. Well, you know, and the thing with the drop leaf hinges is really any of these sort of, I guess, next level hinges, like a knife hinge, for instance, seems really complicated until you just see that series of steps and, and you know the, yeah. you know the quote unquote rules. Uh, that you have to abide by to make it fit. And it's really not that difficult. You just have to know those steps. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Give yourself a, a sharp pencil on a router plane and you're set. Cool. Good deal. All right, Matt, what's the deal, yo? Well, really not too much has been happening for me. I, I finally wrapped up the table side, the bedside tables. Mm. That's completely done. I'm at that point now where in between a project, I really want to get something new started, but at the same time, I just want to dink around and not necessarily <laughs> in the shop either. You know, it, it's and actually I, what I really should be saying, what I'm really leading up to is in the process of kind of dinking around. Anybody remember that lathe that I bought like a couple of years ago? And I've always said I've been afraid of it. It's been collecting dust. It actually works as a great tool holder right now. I've heard I tell think it's all been a conspiracy. You didn't <laughs> yes. buy a lathe. <laughs> well, I finally ran out and bought one and threw some tea on it. So it looks like it's much older and has a nice patina on it now. Nice. Uh, nice. But I actually broke it out and played with it for a few minutes, just a few, because I don't want to get sucked into it too much. And I actually ended up uh, rounding over a nice square piece of wood that I had. And it's now much smaller, which, you know, is a running joke between all of us. It, it is much <laughs> smaller than it was before. Yeah. Um, and I even managed to, like, break out a couple of the gouges just to see, okay, what happens with this? And this is really kind of neat. So for all the people out there who have ever been asking me, when am I going to get into turning? Why don't you start turning? I thought you had a, you know, a lathe, all that good stuff. I have finally begun. And there is a part of me now that it's like, that's all I want to do. And I knew this was going to happen. I knew, <laughs> I knew this Sucks was going to happen. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I guess the real question is, if we name this show Matt's Wood is Getting Smaller, do we have to put an explicit rating on it? I don't think uh, so. As long as there's some sort of maybe reference to cold temperatures, I would prefer that. <laughs> yeah. Do they know about <laughs> shrinkage? <laughs> Just wondering. I think it, we, um, unless they – maybe the ones who have never seen a Seinfeld episode yeah. you know, don't know about it. Nice. Yeah, we got – and remember, we're supposed to keep this clean, guys. We got yelled at. Sorry. Oh, in all well, seriousness, I think <laughs> now is a good time. In the winter. <laughs> Now's a good time for you to dink around, Matt. You know? I think so. I mean, I think, so. I think that's what's cool about the lathe is if you've got that thirty minutes of time, you know, on a Wednesday night or something like that, you can just go down and play around and make some chisel handles or something like that. You yeah, know? it's it's great Fun for stuff. immediate gratification uh, until you are like right at the end of a bowl and it just snaps apart and then <laughs> it's all over. And then you, you know, you, you at least did something, but you definitely <laughs> right. want to go back in the house at that point. Oh, in that case, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Especially <laughs> my family must really be looking forward to that when I start screaming like louder than my daughter <laughs> when she was three. So, <laughs> but they, they, although I do have to admit, they were complaining that it's a lot louder than any of the other tools that I use. Really? So, I think it had a lot to do with I had it sitting up on top of my table saw. And so, therefore, the vibration off of that onto the metal oh. table saw probably did have something to do with it. And I'm pretty sure that my uh, gouges need to be kind of sharpened. Actually, all the turning tools need to be sharpened. Um, so, they were just making a lot of dust versus anything else. But 
That might have a little something with why it got louder as I was trying to shove the tools into it and it wasn't going anywhere. Just too much, too much <laughs> well, vibration. That's, a, that's actually a good question that I'm sure someone will ask. But it, I mean, it's been a while since I bought my lathe and everything. What kind of tools did you get to start? It was just a really basic set. Um, let's see, there was a, a definitely a, a, a roughing gouge in it. So I, I'm not sure the, the total size of that one. It kind mm-hmm. of a, a basic size is what it looks like. Is there a basic size? Probably three quarter to one inch, maybe. Okay, there you go. That's, That's about right. Yeah, it's about size. one inch. <laughs> um, there was a, a a skew chisel with it, or a, a skew, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, tool. There was a uh, a smaller uh, like spindle, like a, a fingertip, yeah, kind spindle of version. Um, and then there was another one that looked like the roughing gouge, but probably like uh, about half to a third the size of that one. Sounds like you need oh. some easy wood tools, Matt. I was thinking about that. And there was a scraper one in there, too. That, that's also, there was five total, if I remember. It, it was so funny because the very next day, that's exactly, I was at work, I was on my break, and I'm like, what is that company that Shannon's talked about before and all those other turners keep talking? Mm-hmm. Easy, easy. <laughs> easy, and, cheesy. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up looking that up, looking them up, and I'm like, oh, ah, I guess I know where money's going next. Yeah, those <laughs> are pretty nice. I actually have awesome. a turning coming up uh, on the next project two for the guild and thought about like, Oh, should I just bite the bullet and get a couple of those? Or should I just use what I, I mean? I've got some decent, you know, decent enough tools to get the job done now. Um, but I really, I don't know. I like those easy wood tools and I'm not much of a turner. So you could tell me like oh, real turners don't use that. Well, I'm not a real turner. So and that's exactly <laughs> what I say to real turners. I'm like, well, I'm not a real turner. I suck. <laughs> yeah. And these make me awesome. Yeah. I just want to so. get the job done. So back off. I want anything with the word easy in it. That's all I want. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that's really funny to me is it's like now that I've tried this, now that I've, you know, I've, I've used it for the first couple of times or the first time, I'm starting to look more at projects that I'm planning on doing coming up for like into, into the spring, into the summer. And I'm thinking I need to incorporate turnings into it somehow. Just one little sure. thing, even if it's just like a little turn on the bottom of a foot or something, mm-hmm. I just... You know, I want to expand it a little bit more. Once again, taking myself out of that comfort zone where I've been stuck in what I like to refer to as shaker-inspired furniture because of all the nice straight lines and everything. (laughs) Again, this might be yet another opportunity for me to maybe expand a little bit. Cool. Even the shakers had lathes. Oh, they did. Were they spring poles? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Although, I don't know. The Shakers are pretty innovative. They probably had some sort of water wheel powered something. I mean, Gilligan they, powered. They invented the circular saw, right? So they probably had something cool. Come on, yeah, Seamus, brother, get on your bike. Yeah, Brother Elijah was out there someplace <laughs> running. Run faster, brother. Run, run. <laughs> so anyways, though, that's what's been going on with my... How about you, Mark? You must have something big going on. Oh, you know it. Whenever I break out a wig and some lingerie and a little bit of lipstick, you know it's going to be a good time. And okay, so that's today's episode. If you want to contact us once again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those weeks where I have to ask myself, is this really what I do for a living? I mean, really. <laughs> really. Do, the do word I, was for goes, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, this this probably out of all of my little stupid characters and things that I've come up with, this one is definitely going to be the worst. Um, I, I'll let you know that ahead of time. But when you have a bed in your workshop, you have to come up with something, you know, that, that, so I thought, I thought this would be pretty good. Uh, it won't be out for a while because this is actually, I'm going to try something different here where I take the guild build and really condense it down into a very short 20 to 30 minute video and put that on the free site, uh, just oh. to see how it happens. Cause part of the thing is I think like, you know, we watch Norm and, uh, what do you call it? Tommy Mack and David Marks and these guys who have these 22 minute shows and they yep. typically build a very, well, not very complex, but certainly a full-size project 
and they condense in, in that time. Now, some of them do a better job of, of actually doing the editing and condensing, um, but it can be done uh, if, if it's done right. So I thought, you know what, why not take an excerpt from that? I don't want to tease people. I just want to re sort of like repackage it in a very well edited, smaller format, just so that, you know, people who don't want to pay money and join the guild can actually still appreciate something from this project. Um, so that's part of the little experiment that I'm going to be doing. And I figured if I'm going to do all that, I may as well do the whole wig lingerie and makeup thing and, and do something funny for it too. Well, you know, other than the, the wig makeup and the lingerie thing, which leads me to ask the question about, you know, the real meaning of the wood whisperer, but I'm not going to go there because this <laughs> da, da, da. is a family friendly show. Uh, but w- what you're talking about there with like kind of condensing things, I actually have some footage in the, uh, in the can right now. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, like not like the real can. Literally like in a can. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I do my best editing. Is <laughs> that's where I keep my drone. SD cards in a can. <laughs> but anyways, though, I have a lot of footage where it's like one of those, I really want to let it run because I think it's kind of neat seeing all this stuff. And you hear from listeners all the time or audience members all the time saying, like, I just like watching the actual cutting action and seeing how you handle this. But there's that part of me that's like, I really want to take this five-minute point here where all I'm doing is just you know on the bandsaw and I want to condense it down to like the best like 30 seconds sure yeah. so that I can get that in there and I've always been curious I know only hear from a select individuals who are like you know no show it all I'm really curious what the audience's reaction will be to when you do something like that you know yeah yeah because really there's a lot of people that want it they it's 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 for the lack of a better term, it's like it's wood porn. It's it's tool porn. We <laughs> love just seeing the action. Well, we're so deep into this niche that this is the only time we could get away with this. Like what we do could not be on television. It's not it's not yeah. like it's not really in the for format. many reasons. Well, yeah, yeah that, that that's true. Welcome but. to episode one. Thirty minutes of jointer work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, we would lose people immediately just for an average audience. So that's not who we talk to, though. We talk to people who really are into the nitty gritty of this stuff and they want all that detail. Um, certainly there's got to be a percentage who, who doesn't want that detail. And especially if it's a project they're not really interested in, do you think they want to sit through six hours of a guild build of a project they're not ever going to build, uh, just to extract the techniques out of it? So, I mean, there may be people like that, but you know, I, I would like to make it into a format that doesn't compromise what folks have already paid for, uh, right. but still gets other people a little taste of something so they can, if they're interested, they can then go and, and join the guild. But again, I hate teasers. I absolutely yeah. hate teasers. So it's going to have to be packaged in a way that doesn't tease people. Right. Um, well, all I can say is, well, yet again, damn you for beating me to the punch. And uh, <laughs> second of all, like yes, that. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I have. But my issue is, is it's such a daunting task. It is. You know, I mean, you know this and you've got 20 hours of raw footage and trying to make it well, in. I'm not that bad, that's... Shannon. Jeez. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some of us don't have 64 gigabyte SD cards as our small I mean, card. Maybe six hours, but gee. All right. Um, well, yeah, totally. Right, I talk too much, apparently. Um, but anyway, enough business, like, you know, inside baseball crap. Um, the other thing is with this bed, this, this particular client is the one who really only likes oil finishes. And so I don't really get to finish this bed the way I would want to finish it. I finish it the way the customer wants me to finish it. So it's just got a little bit of tongue oil and that's it. And one of this, the things that he finds fun is oiling his furniture on a yearly basis. <laughs> so who am I to deny him that pleasure? <laughs> so I, I'll tell you though, after applying an oil finish and I haven't done it in a while, still not a fan. <laughs> still not a fan. I just don't like it. I don't like the what it does to the wood. It just feels oily. It doesn't feel like it offers much protection. I will say that it's super easy. 
Um, but you know, when you put oil on a porous wood, you tend to have to constantly go back and get all those parts where it's like seeping up through the pores. Um, it's just not, I don't find it to be a great finish. Just, in, just my opinion, but I, right. I don't really like so it. So what you're saying is it's not something you're going to pencil in on a weekend and be like, God, I cannot wait for that weekend to come around. It's, it's calendars moving so slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. Bleh. But anyway, I, so I can just see that. What, like you, it, it, what you really need though is more of like a simple varnish finish. That's probably what I would have done. Like if I could, if I was sneaky, I would like maybe do the first coat of a varnish finish and just not tell him. (laughs) So I like, (laughs) I secretly seal it a little bit and he'll never know. Uh, But no, I have to, I have to be honest and give him what he wants. So anyway, bed is done. Delivery is going to be on Friday. Just glad to see that thing get out the door. Oh, there is nothing like the satisfaction of a, of a job wrapping up there. That's just absolutely. I don't care who you are, even if it's something as small as a cutting board. Yeah. Just to see it. One project finishing, moving on to the next one. Exactly. All right. So around the web, there's really not a whole lot that we captured this week. This doesn't happen that often. There's almost always like three or four things, but, um, we do have one picture that I'm going to post. I got to check on where the picture came from and make sure I'm not hurting anyone's feelings by posting it directly on the website, but it's a picture of Nick Offerman. I always have problems if it's Offerman or Overman. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, the Ron, Ron Swanson <laughs> from parks and rec, a uh, picture of him with a, uh, a set of like wooden hair and a wooden mustache that, uh, uh, a guy named Jim Hollis on Facebook shared that with me. And I thought it was hilarious. If you know the show and you know, Ron Swanson, you'll find it pretty damn funny. <laughs> um, so I'll post that picture there. And that's, that's about all we got around the web. Uh, I see that he is actually heading to my direction. He's going to be in the Detroit area. So if anybody's going to it, um, I guess have fun. <laughs> is he for, for for what? Like a, a wood show or? No, he, actually, he's coming for a comedy show. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, because apparently he does stand up still. So Nice. Yeah. Good on him. All right. So, yeah. uh, so we can cut that part out if we want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <That> went nowhere. <laughs> no problem. Uh, let's move on to the poll of the week. Matt, you've got to have a poll of the week, right? That's what you do. Actually, you know, I've been so busy playing with that lathe. I have ignored. You haven't confronted any polls this week? No, not at, even even while I was trying to make one. So I guess Cherry. There you go. Cherry is my poll of the week. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom did make a poll of the week for us this week. Uh, Tom Iovino at tomsworkbench.com. This one was actually good. I really like when, when Tom does polls that go a little bit beyond just, just the woodworking and sort of get into what other, what other things people do. And this one asks, uh, where does woodworking fall in your list of hobbies? Because believe it or not, some of us actually do more than just woodworking. What? I know, right? That's what I was thinking. Uh, 51% said that it's up there on the list, but there's at least one other thing up on that list of hobbies. Um, 42%, uh, Matt, shut up. You're ruining my poll here. Uh, 42% I'm sure that was chortle worthy. <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't even funny. What are you doing? Sorry, uh, I was thinking of wig, <laughs> lipstick, and lingerie. There you go. You're still on that. I'll send you a picture. I'll send you a nice one later. Uh, 42% said that it's my passion, my favorite hobby. So now we're, we're pretty much like, over 90% of the people responding. So that, that's pretty much most of the people. Um, 6% said it's something that I like, but I'll usually do other things first. Uh, only 1% said that it's something that I do in passing. And thankfully, 0% said, yuck, I hate it. Because that would have been a surprise. <laughs> or that sites. there's actually more of them. It's just that because uh, woodworking is not their thing, they don't even hang out at woodworking sites. That's true. We, as we learned from Shannon, we always have to think about that. Yes. Yeah, I don't mean to throw a you know a, a, throw a, a wrench, wrench in, the, in that one. In the poll. <laughs> yeah, Matt ruined Matt the poll ruins the poll this week. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll go back to Chuck Norris because Chuck Norris ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. All right, so let's move on to our voicemails. We've got one here from Jonathan. 
and he's got a question about removing dust from your projects. Hi, guys. This is Jonathan Strapinski from Belpsville, Maryland. Uh, I was calling to find out about a portion of your finishing process. I'm having trouble, and I've always had trouble, removing the dust after sanding from my furniture. Uh, I've tried dust brush. I've tried compressed air. I've tried rags moistened with alcohol or mineral spirits. I've tried tack rags, and none of them seem to fully work. They never really get all the dust off. So I was wondering how you guys tackle that. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, I guess I could just say what I typically do. Um, if I'm going to be finishing soon, I don't use compressed air because I really don't want that dust going back up into the environment. We talk about that all the time. Plus, it's just not as safe and you don't want to have to breathe that stuff. So right. I usually try to use a soft brush attachment on the vac, which which he did mention. I find that that actually gets most of the large particles, but it certainly isn't going to get everything. It's going to leave a fine coating on the surface. So I use a combination of things. I start with the vac and then I come back with a damp rag, either dampened with uh, sometimes even just a little bit of water just to kind of, it doesn't raise the grain, but it still grabs the dust fairly well. Uh, either using like a, um, those microfiber cloths with just a little bit of water on it. Or if I'm doing like an oil-based finish, I might just come back with a slightly dampened rag and mineral spirits and wipe the surface down. And there's so little dust on the surface that typically takes care of it. There really should not be anything left after a vacuuming and then a wipe down with whatever solution you want to use. So that, that at least works for me. What about you guys? Um, I usually, well, see, I don't generate that much dust. Shannon doesn't finish I mean, his projects as we know. So <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, I mean, it just in hand tools in general, I mean, the dust you get is not the super, super fine stuff. I'm not going to say yeah. it doesn't produce dust. It's just minimal. It, it's much, much bigger. Um, so, but I usually will wipe it down. I usually dampen a rag with naphtha and mm -hmm. wipe it down from there. Cause I find that when I am surfacing and finishing with hand planes, I like to, you know, it's a good way to wipe it down, check with raking light and make sure you don't have any ridges or, you know, tear out or anything like that. That may happen. Maybe I put too much of a cut on my smoothing plane and, mm -hmm. you know, my cambered edge dug in or something like that. It's usually hard to see that until I've wiped it down with naphtha and kind of looked at it in a raking light and that's it. Yeah. It's usually ready to go from there. Cool. Yeah. The yeah. only thing I do is pretty much uh, like you mentioned, I use that. I use a soft brush on my vacuum and going over that a couple of times, usually because I always forget something, you know, kind of get past mm -hmm. it. But uh, I guess I'm a total slacker because that, that along with just kind of a, a tack rag is about the extent of what I do. In fact, Sometimes I don't even go to the tack rack. I'll just go right to the finish, which probably explains why my finishes often have that nice, bumpy, kind of nougat feeling to them. <laughs> but the way I look feel. at it is it gives you something to hold on to so you don't have to worry about things sliding off because, you know, that tabletop is so slick. Or I like I like my finishes textured. So Yeah, exactly. Why not? <laughs> I, like, I like a fair amount of nougat in my furniture. <laughs> nougat. I want to make sure when I'm carrying it around, it's not going to accidentally slip out of my hands because it's so slick. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, if you use a thick enough, viscous enough finish, it just kind of blends the dust together, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's but that, kind of rubbing on paste. <laughs> That's a good logic. Why not? All right. We also got a feedback voicemail here from Wilbur. He's referencing something from uh, way back in Wood Talk 115 concerning our advice on bandsaw purchases. Uh, let's uh, take a listen. 
Hi, guys. Uh, this is uh, Wilbur out here in uh, Wilbur! East Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, this is a little late, but I wanted to comment on Alex's question from Woodtalk 115 on buying a bandsaw. If he's looking to save money, there's really no better way to do that than buying a used uh, bandsaw. I know this will depend a bit on how patient he can be while looking and where he lives, but there are parts of the country where used woodworking machines come up for sale pretty frequently. Uh, in my case, I found a Walker Turner bandsaw from the 1940s. It's a 16 inch model and it's overbuilt to a degree that can't be matched today as with most um, uh, woodworking machinery from that period in time. I mean everything in this bandsaw is cast iron including the wheel covers. Uh, you can't find that today. Um, there may be a concern that if you buy a used bandsaw that there might be issues that have to be fixed. The good news is that a bandsaw is actually a pretty simple machine. It's two wheels that need to be reasonably coplanar, not perfectly, um, two axles and a motor. Um, I was able to tear down and rebuild my bandsaw, and I'm not a mechanical genius. Um, my day job is being a pediatric oncologist, and in fact, uh, this was the first time that I, I ever took on a uh, project like this. Basically, the only thing that I had to do was replace the bearings and get new tires. My total cost for the entire thing was about $400, and I'll put my bandsaw up against any current one in its size. Um, if Alex gets an old Delta 14-inch bandsaw, there are plenty of sources for replacement parts, um, and many of the replacement parts for modern-day 14-inch bandsaws will still work on the uh, old ones. Anyway, that's something to consider. Um, keep up the great, uh, good work, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Awesome. Thank you for that, Wilbur. We appreciate excellent. the feedback, yeah. and hopefully Alex can uh, use that excellent advice for his bandsaw purchase. All yeah, right. And thanks to the flyby, whether that was on your end, Mark, or if that was on Wilbur's end, that was a. No, that was on nice... my end. And I actually, uh, when they get really bad like that, I do go back in and uh, actually cut them out so no one will hear that and they'll wonder what we're talking about right now. Oh, whoops. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on my end with the, with the Air Force, it's, it, sometimes it's relentless. And if I'm not talking, I go back and I, I write the time code down and then I go back and cut it out. So. And, and I'm sure we have somebody who works at the Defense Department. So if you could just walk down the hallway to where the Air Force is located <laughs> yeah. and have a discussion with them about this, hey, they're we recording would really, over really appreciate that. That would be great. <laughs> if you could put a memo in their inbox, we'd appreciate there you go. that. Every just Wednesday around 4 o'clock, if you guys could just you know stay out of the air, that'd be great. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our email. We do have another bit of feedback, which I'll read uh, really quickly. This is from Philip. He says, after show 116, you discussed sharpening jointer and planer blades. You should never have to send your blades away for sharpening and your blades should last a very long time, nor should you have to replace your blades anytime soon. While walking around the Atlanta Woodworking Conference in 2012, I came across a booth that solved this problem for me. By the way, I don't have any affiliation with them. Check out, I don't know how to pronounce it, it's Duolin Tools. I'll, sure. put, the, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's, an e it's very easy to use. Remove your blades from the machine, clamp them into the jig, and then run them back and forth on a stone or sandpaper. Reinstall the blades, and you go back to milling. Now, I looked at this thing, and it actually holds two blades at once, which kind of keeps it nice and balanced. Uh, he says, it doesn't take much off the blade, so I think that they could be used for a long time before having to send the blades out for, uh, to buy new ones or have them to be sent out or buy new ones. Uh, his email was a lot longer than that, but I trimmed it down. So thanks, Philip, for that. We'll put the link in there. And if anybody wants to get into sharpening their own jointer and planer knives, it seems like some people are tackling that problem pretty well. Yep. I definitely have to admit it's a neat little tool. But once again, <clears throat> as I mentioned last time, no, not going to do it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, well, let's move on to the next email. And this one is, uh, oh, it's the drunken woodworker. Who, uh, just for a quick disclaimer, uh, is not you, drunk when he's in the woodwork. <laughs> yes. 
Hope so. so anyways, he says, uh, I too have a basement workshop. I also have cats and their litter box that's about 15 feet from my table saw. The one cat respects my woodworking. That's amazing. They never do that usually. Mm-hmm. And stays out while I'm down there. The other cat doesn't give a crap and takes dumps while I'm working. Do you have any suggestions on how I can get Sydney, the cat, to be mindful and wait his turn? Um, <laughs> actually, I wish I did because uh, my cat, Hamlet, who typically – let me see uh, if you're about to set your watch right about now to 631 should be making his appearance any second now. Uh, he likes to come down during uh, wood talk and do his business. So be th- very thankful that there's no smell of vision going on here because it's pretty bad. <laughs> I-, I really wish I could <laughs> come up with something for this because I actually have this problem too. When I'm working in the shop, um, I, my, my whole thing was I, th- I threw the litter box out into the other room and that seemed to have taken care of it for me. But other than that, um, I guess just simply have a little heart to heart with Sydney about <laughs> we need to talk. respecting your space <laughs> and maybe uh, amp up his catnip. I don't know. Maybe that might help. <laughs> um, he could um, he could get a dog. I was just about to say, you know what the problem here is, right? It's yeah. a cat. Yeah, I will. I will give you that. Yes, yes. A dog would be much much nicer because, in the case of Alex, you have a roaming uh, uh, little mop for you to pick up all the sawdust. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I'll tell you what. I actually, I actually do have a real suggestion here. I don't know how realistic it is because it depends on what you want to do with your cat. But I was just watching um, Shark Tank on TV, <laughs> and there's, oh boy. there's this, this going. Yeah, there's this pro. No, no, no. It's, have you ever seen Shark Tank? I'm Stop liking where this is going. It doesn't actually have sharks in it, but which I was really disappointed about. Um, but anyway, there was this product that was that they were trying to get investment for called the City Kitty, and it's a system to get your cat potty trained to use the toilet. We were just talking about this the other day. Like it was like one of those, you know, Hamlet. Aiden and Madison both were out of diapers. That saved us a ton of money. They figured it out. Get you out of cat litter so that we can actually start saving a few bucks. Yeah, it actually, and, and the system is logical in the way that a cat thinks, and it, it does make sense that it could work, but like anything like this, you would have to be pretty committed to making sure that it works over that. I guess it's like a two-week break-in period, and eventually the cat will use the toilet. So um, nice. that's the, I mean, there's a recommendation for you. Give it a shot. It's called City Kitty. I'll put the link in the show notes. So then that brings up like a whole new argument of make sure you put the cat seat down. Yeah. Just the other seat. Yeah. You know, oh, Hamlet fell in again. Whose turn is it to wash him? <laughs> Not it. Let oh, him wash man. himself. Just make sure you're careful when he starts licking you. You know, the one thought idea I had is uh, check out Jason Galaxy. He's the cat uh, cat behaviorist who actually has a show called uh, – my cat from hell on the animal planet. He might have some great suggestions. <laughs> I feel that all cats are from hell. Just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got that. So, you know, if the cat walks into the room, that's what scrap wood's for, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, kitty, come here. All right. We're going to get some really bad hate. Yeah, we're going to get that, trouble so. for this one. <laughs> all right. Shannon, you want to get us out of this uh, quagmire? Giggity? <laughs> sure. Uh, got an email from uh, Captain Kenny, the wood ninja, who is uh, debarking today to push around petroleum vessels around the Gulf Coast. So oh, That sounds fun. Yeah, oh. doesn't it? Um, he asks, how do you determine what type of joinery to use when you're designing a piece of furniture? Hmm. Are there any books or videos you could recommend on the topic? And this has been, Kenny probably thought we forgot about this question because this has been in our archive for like six months we now. We think about it every week. <laughs> yes, we do. And then it gets pushed back into the archive. <laughs> well, and I think it's because it's a great question and there's a mm. lot 
to kind of think about. So uh, honestly, I don't even remember if I replied via email. I feel like I did. So mm. hopefully I did because it was like six <laughs> months ago. But it, it's it's tough because, you know, when you get even just a little ways into woodworking, you know, I'm not going to say when you're 10 years down the road, but even just a year or two, you start to, I don't know, recognize how things are put together. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but you just find yourself like looking, you'll be sitting in a restaurant and you're like zone out looking at a chair next to you. And you're like, oh yeah, that tenon goes in there and that tenon goes in there. And it is kind of like you wake up one morning and it's like the matrix, you know, I know joinery. I know how that goes together. And I started to think about, well, how did I get there? And I know for me personally, I looked at a lot of furniture, Mm -hmm. everything from those like museum style coffee table books on furniture to just in your daily life, as you see a table or a chair or something like that, to go into a lot of museums. Um, certainly, I was also at the same time consuming books on joinery. Yeah. But after a while, you just kind of you look at it and you see, okay, well, which way does the grain flow? You know, cross grain comes in here, so it's probably a mortise and tenon, or it's with the grain, so it's probably some sort of dovetail or some other house joint. And you know, so you have enough. I guess the body of experience looking at enough stuff that you start to realize how it was done before. So then when it comes to your own work and you say, okay, I'm going to build the table. Well, what did I see before? Well, the table, right. you know, the apron into the leg was a mortise and tenon. And there's really not a lot of other options there. I mean, you see some crazy cool modern style furniture that uses some other type of joint, but is really a derivation of the mortise and tenon, frankly. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you really want to get technical, you think about what kind of grain issues you're going to have. Is it a cross-grain joint? What kind of strength do you need to do it? And in the end, it's you can pretty much solve it with you know one to four joints, I would say. Yeah, well, there's yeah. only so many ways that two pieces of wood are going to meet one another. They're either going to be you know uh, edge to edge, they're going to be end grain to end grain, or you know. Uh, they're going to both be on their ends like a drawer, you know, so there there really are only so many ways that the wood can go together. And then once you're looking at that particular way, there's, you know, a handful of joints that you can use. Think about the number of ways that you can make a drawer. The problem is none of them are necessarily wrong, you yeah. know, so so a lot of times it may come down to a lot of personal preference, what you what you like to make or what you might have the tooling to make. So yeah, I mean, the thing is there are so many options and and you're, I'm going to give you an analogy that goes along with what you said, Shannon. Um, It's like when I first started playing music with a band, Uh, once I started to actually make music, I no longer heard music as a song. I heard music as a sum of its parts. Oh yeah. You know, and you could pick out what each instrument (laughs) is doing. I get in trouble for that a lot amongst non-music people. Yeah. And you focus when, when you, as a musician, you start to be able to hear all the parts and you go, wow, I never, I never heard the bass line before. And now I can totally pick it out. So it, in a way kind of ruins music, the magic of music (laughs) a little bit, because now you're dissecting it. Um, But as furniture makers, that's kind of exactly what we want to do. We want to see how this thing went together, see it as a sum of its parts and not the whole. And you're right. The more you see, the more you experience the more you're going to be able to identify and then pick what you want to use in your project for sure. Yeah. I mean, you come, you become almost obsessive about it. Mm. You know I mean? You just look at stuff and well, how does that go together? And you know, it, it's like armchair woodworking in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, for those of us that don't get much shop time, it's like, well, hell I'll just, I'm just going to undress that piece of furniture with my eyes. Hello. Well, you know, <laughs> one thing, this always reminds me of 
the one uh, the, the one time I did I wrestled when I was a freshman in high school for about one tournament and then said I can't do this <laughs> not happening I uh, yeah, kept getting thrown down way too many it's hard being the heavyweight wrestler when you're coming in at the low end of the scale and you're going up against the guy that is pushing it at the high end and it's Congrats, like, you, to list, to- you made weight Don't- yes, exactly it so uh but one thing that I always learned and I remember the coach saying this over and over and this is so true I think this can easily be translated into woodworking you get to a point where suddenly like, okay, I feel comfortable with the basic things. Now I'm going to start going for these really super complicated uh, moves. And, you know, in this case, we're going for really super complicated, fancy schmancy joinery. And the problem I remember as a beginning woodworker, I would look at those and be like, oh, that's what you have to use every single time in this situation. When in fact, you know, somebody like, like a Frank Klaus, when he was at Woodworking America and he always kind of does that, the hidden dovetail, you yeah. know, where it's mitered into something. And I remember somebody asking me like, where would you use this? And he's like, only when a client asks for it. You know, that kind of a thing. Right now, that's, right here. That's a, yeah, that's a great point, Matt, because a lot of times we know that we can satisfy this joinery solution in this particular part of this project. We could satisfy this with a fairly basic joint. And a lot yeah. of times, I know I do the same thing. You brought up a, such a good point there that I'm asking myself, how far do I want to go or how much do I want to show off or, or what technique would I want to say when I go to sleep tonight that I was able to incorporate, even if it, it adds maybe like 0.1% in terms of strength uh, or yep. overall value to the project. A lot of times you are going beyond what's needed and doing a, a sort of a survey of yourself and saying, what do I want to put in this thing? Not, not what yep. does it need, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, sure. and you know, it's it's often, I mean, a, a great joint to think about in this situation is everybody assumes that it's not a good drawer box unless you do dovetails. Dovetails is the ape, you know, the acme of every single uh, uh, joinery out there. When in fact, you know, you could easily put together a, a drawer box just using, you know, rabbited ends, or yeah, you yeah. could use it with dowels or something. And the assumption is always, well, if you're doing that, you're not making a very high quality one, or right. you're not doing this, you're not pushing yourself to the limit. It's like, no, at some point, I I don't need to. <laughs> you know what's funny though is, um, you know those the the product Miller dowels, mm-hmm. the little step yes. dowels. I love those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so freaking easy to use and they just look awesome. I've got a bag of um, walnut ones and they make great drawers. Yeah. You know, you just throw a rabbit, you throw three of those Miller dowels in, it's strong as anything and it just looks cool. I made yeah. a, um, Mark, I want to say this is when you did your first guild build. I mm-hmm. made one of those shaker tables. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I gave it to my, um, my sister in law. And every time I see her, she comments on how much she loves every time I open the drawer, those little walnut pegs. I just love that. And it's like, what about the other one I made for you that has hand cut dovetails? She never comments on that one. <laughs> so, I mean, there's something to be said about that. You know, I mean, there is a whole bunch of really cool Rolls Royce type joinery. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, in very few instances, I would say it has to be that joint. Sure. You know, um, you get into Japanese joinery because that's kind of what I think of as like the extreme of crazy joinery. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of that Japanese joinery serves a very distinct purpose. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, those temple joints and everything, they're designed basically because there are lots of earthquakes in right, Japan, right. seeing as they're in the ring of fire. And they're designed to not have, they have ingrain compression, so they don't get looser when an earthquake rolls by. Um, but that's kind of kind of it. You know, yeah. I mean, the, all these other joints, they're in many ways, at least from the weekend woodworker, they're kind of overkill for what needs to be done. Yeah. You, you know, a, a reference book for me in case Kenny's looking for any anything that kind of discuss 
like the various different joints that are out there. Um, it's uh, uh, I really don't want to mess this up. Young Chan, he has a book oh, yeah. called Classic Joints yeah. with Power Tools. Nice, yeah, that's a good and one. And this one has always, I've, I've, I've at one point when I first got it, and this was. Not that early on, but early enough on where I would look at, like, say, like right now I'm looking at the mortise and tenon joints that he has in here. He has like two whole pages of these different types. And there's something like a haunched mitered tenon or a double miter. And I remember thinking, okay, here's this one where he explains it really easy with like a loose tenon. My eye always went right to like, you know, the double miter with a triple haunch or something. And always thinking I end up having to do that, but I don't. It's just it's an option. So, you know, that that's something. And the neat thing about this is actually this book also when he introduces the joinery, uh, he kind of explains a little bit why you might want to choose this or why you might want to choose something else instead. So it's kind of a a really decent um, uh, reference book. And like I said, it's, it's all power tools, too. In fact, he breaks it down like, you know. You can. This is the way you would do it with bandsaw. This is the way you do it with the table saw. Cool. Uh, this is the way you do it with the router. So it really opens up options, and you will find yourself looking at a couple of them, going, "Yep, I'm going to do that." And then you go to do it and go, "No, I'm going to go to the easier <laughs> <Never> one, <mind. laughs> uh, box one." <laughs> yeah, I'll actually make a recommendation as well for Gary Rogowski's complete illustrated guide to joinery. This is one of those hardbound Taunton fine woodworking right? deals. Yeah, yeah, this is the library bookshelf thing reference book. Uh, written by Gary Rogowski, shows you just about every joint you could ever imagine making. And then you, of course, find out what it's used for as well and how to make it. So very good for reference. But again, I think ultimately the overriding theme here is what Shannon brought up in the beginning. Look at furniture, dissect furniture, see what other people are doing and why. And that's going to probably be your best guide for, for picking the right things in the future. And then eventually you'll just develop your own personal tastes and preferences, which will play a major role in, in what joinery you choose. Right. And keeping with that theme, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I was just going to say simply, uh, and don't be afraid to have like just like one or two that you use over and over and over. It doesn't mean you're limited as a woodworker. It means these are ones that you're confident with. And so, therefore, they probably work pretty well. Now, if they yeah. fall apart, mm-hmm. I might switch which joinery I want to use all the time. Right. But there's nothing wrong with being kind of a simple woodworker who uses only like, you know, a handful of joinery versus everything under the sun. Totally. Right. Uh, does Peter Follonsby do anything but mortise and tenon joints? I don't think he cuts any other joinery. So, mm, I don't there's, a, so there's an example. <laughs> yeah. But s- since everybody's doing it, I have uh, a recommendation in keeping with what Mark just said about looking at other furniture um it's not exactly cheap but i think it's called american period furniture it's by jeffrey green and of course this deals with 18th century furniture but he's got a lot of great line drawings of um how the pieces go together and he's also got a lot of intel on why the furniture styles changed as kind of joinery came into vogue um yeah. You know, as dovetails became more popular in the William and Mary period, the furniture completely changed. Whereas the furniture that Peter Follinsby makes with all mortise and tenons, you know, there was no box on a frame. It was just posts and panels. So it was all mortise and tenon. And as furnishings changed and houses changed and even all the way up into George Nakashima as carpet in wall-to-wall carpet became more important, George Nakashima built a chair with runners that slid over carpet better. And he used bridle joints for that. And you really begin to see how the furniture needed to change to match the times and how the joinery needed to change to accommodate the different stresses and things put on it. It's it's a very cool way of looking at it. Hmm, cool. All right. Well, we I, do have a few well, more. Go ahead, I just Matt. say one last thing, though. Uh, if, 
if you do enter a bookstore or a library and you approach them for help, uh, make sure you reference just a little bit more than you're looking for a book on joints because you might be taking the smoking <laughs> might be section. surprised what you find. Yeah. Depending on what state you're in, it's a legal early level too. So. <laughs> there you uh, go. We do have a couple more questions, but I think we, we've got time for one more to squeeze in that wasn't initially planned for. Uh, this one was pulled in from Facebook. Shannon, if you want to read it since you brought it in, we'll just sure. uh, tackle that real quick. <clears throat> uh, this is from uh, Devin Middendorf. He says, hey guys, great show. Keep up the good work. My question for you is I'm looking to upgrade my sander. I really like the Festool brand. I was wondering if you could give me a recommendation for a model by with the dust extractor or without. Right now I just have a little DeWalt quarter inch sheet vibrating sander and I was thinking step up to a random orbit. This would be my first Festool purchase. They sound like a great tool. Thanks again. Keep up the awesome shows. Love, hugs and kisses, Devin Middendorf. ETS 150. With dust collection. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. We're Damn done. It. <laughs> oh, it, it's a, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> okay, that's good. And um, yes, buy it with the extractor. Yeah, yes. I don't know if we talked about this. I can't reference the specific show number if we have, but I know I've uh, probably a couple times have expressed my... Um, I just don't really like the Rotex for a general use sander. I really like to use, especially as I'm getting into like finishing grits, uh, I'd rather work with the form factor of the ETS line. I just find that much easier to use. So ETS 150 all the way, baby. Yeah, and I, I know for a fact that uh, Morton did a little video for uh, Highland Woodworking where he did talk about the Rotex, and he referenced exactly what you just said there, that you know there is a little bit something about it. It's kind of tippy. Eh, mm-hmm. The ETS is probably the better way to go if you're looking for heavy. like a... <laughs> it is and people talk about like throwing the hose over your shoulder to counterbalance and it's like i don't i don't want the hose over my shoulder i'd rather like i want it to be balanced right away so i don't have a you know i i chafe i don't want to chafe you, you need to stand on your dominant foot with yeah. the other foot raised approximately six inches off the floor and on a 45 degree angle totally all right let's now, uh go ahead Sean. mark real quick did you yeah. i remember you did the little thing for the mini cyclones and like yep. the one episode where the thing like collapsed the bucket which was just way cool yeah. almost as cool as the uh, pasta power thing you did today um <laughs> has anybody done uh used a festool sander without an extractor or and just use like a regular shop vac or something does it collect dust as well I think it does. I mean, part Somebody of the must have done this. Well, part of the thing with the Festool line is they have this. I mean, it sounds like I'm doing an infomercial, but they have what they call their jet stream technology. And yeah. basically the way that the, the system and the holes are oriented on the pad actually does help kind of like, um, oh, what the heck is it with the, the saw stops blade guard that helps mm-hmm. to assist in dust collection. So it's oh, yeah. a shroud. Yeah. So it, it's designed in such a way to help the dust come out better. So I think even if you did, uh, couple it with a regular shop vac, I still think it would be pretty damn effective. Right. I, so I guess the question is, if he's saying buy it with or without the dust extractor, you know, I mean, for me, I like the modularity, if that's a word, a festool, oh, yeah, the way everything sure. kind of clips and snaps together. And, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm OCD, just the fact that the color scheme matches is nice. Yeah. But, you know, I went ahead and bought the extractor because obviously it was a better deal to get it as a package. But, um, and like I have a shop vac brand dealio that probably would work, but then I don't know about the hose connections and everything. That would be the thing. And and who wants to, to, I mean, if you want to save some money, yeah, you might want to also be motivated enough to try to get those fittings to work properly. For me personally, I'd rather just go with the extractor because it is like the best, 
you know, one of, if not the best extractor on the market. So, um, you know, turns on when the tool turns on and I know you can cobble that together with other systems, but I just, it just works good. So I would say if you can get the better deal, get it with the dust extractor. I don't think you will regret it at all. Um, One thing I will say is I, you know, the, uh, the little dust shooty on the, uh, uh, on the Festool router, <laughs> I like how we have these all technical shooty. terms, the dust shooty, you know, the, the kind of traps it right there at, at the bit and then pulls it out. Yeah. Um, I ended up hooking up just my regular shop vac to that, and I was amazed at mm-hmm. how well it actually worked. I mean, it really, so it has to be something about the design. Yep. I think, you know, kind of referencing if you didn't use the shop vac, but yeah, if you can get the deal, that's even better. Word. All right, let's read some iTunes oh. reviews because we got a few five-star reviews since last time. Uh, jump right into it. Dentist Danny says, been listening for a couple of years. Awesome show. Especially like the episode where they gave Saw Stop Cabinet Saws to all the listeners. Don't miss next week. The promise of Laguna 24-inch Italians for everyone listening in a future episode is particularly inviting. Thanks, Danny. 24-inch Italian? Those are really short Very Italians. Very short are Italian children? people. They must be children. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, Unless thanks we're for talking it. about subs, in which case that would be awesome. That would be delicious. <laughs> go for one right now. I'm starving. Totally. Hey, this, That's fine. This next- <laughs> wait what <laughs> uh in that case people need to start donating i need to help offset this cost <laughs> there you go um the next one is from zeb Tora, and it's can't get enough of course you can't it says i can't get enough of these guys while commuting to work or in the wood shop mark matt and shannon will entertain and educate and hand tool the power tool woodworking and everything in between great show guys i like it a lot and a that's lot. with one two three four five exclamation points sweet nice uh, <laughs> I love these names. Joe B 57 says, this is a great show. Only one exclamation point though. Oh. Uh, a friend told me about your podcast and that's not a friend in quotes. Uh, I started back at the beginning and got all the way through number 45. Oh, I don't know like where this is going. <laughs> then my iPhone started pulling in all the recent shows and I started in on them. You guys have really developed into a high quality show <laughs> which is enjoyable and more importantly, informational. Even Matt's chortles have improved. Mm, True that. Keep up the great work and good humor. Thanks. So is that his way of saying the first 45 are like, meh. Not worth listening to? (laughs) Kind of questionable. It sounds like Mother Nature stepped in. The universe is like, listen, I know where you're going. Try this instead. Yes, this is much better. Like this, you'll like this better. All right. So uh, last one, DC Zward says, I've been a fan for about a year, but now that they're going weekly, it's even better. It seems to, blah, it seems like the content is more focused and there's more meat per minute. That's what we promise, more meat. More meat. Oh, my problem is I've been getting way too much meat per <laughs> minute, man. Meat. My pants are about to explode again. <laughs> uh, while I enjoy some banter and joking around in a podcast, all too often the hosts think that they're funnier than they are. I thought that was us. That's what we were going for. That's, that's oh. what I was going for just now. Yeah, so thankfully these guys have developed a sense to have just enough joking around to be entertaining, and then it's on to the topics. Keep up the great content, and I'll be listening. Sweet. Um, all right, well, I need to mention, today's show is uh, sponsored by ArborTech. You can catch them at arbortech.com.au, and also MicroJig, our good buddies at MicroJig, microjig.com. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention here, and let's, I think we should get a little bit more serious than we usually okay, are on the show. <clears throat> Let me, let me clear my throat real quick. Okay. Yep. Yeah, let's bring right. it down. Bring down yep. the tone a little bit. Right. Now, did you know that on this podcast that there are three woodworkers just looking to be loved? With your support, perhaps Matt can afford to go supersize on his next Whopper meal. And Shannon might be able to afford his 15th handsaw. And maybe even I can add an additional wing to my workshop. 
we actually have donations and uh, that was just a terrible way to start it. <laughs> Especially considering I have like 18 handsaws already, which is, okay. I have just, a problem. Yeah. So um, I, that, that's the way I wanted to introduce this. Um, we actually have been taking donations just to help just, I don't know, what is it? Motivation for us? Uh, just to help That's pay some of the bills, yeah. the hosting. Um, what's actually happened recently is we have been using free resources to host the audio files and that's getting harder and harder to do. And we actually are moving them to, you know, premium servers that will always download no matter who you are, where you are, and, and people won't have any problems downloading the show. We want to continue to provide that. And it's costing us money. So now that we're doing things on a weekly format, I figured I'd mention this. We have had ongoing like donation subscriptions through PayPal at, at the forum for a long time now. And I think we mentioned this once or twice on the audio show, but it, it bears mentioning again. You can actually uh, help us out here by donating either $2, $5, or $10 a month. It's a recurring subscription, totally voluntary. You don't have to do it. We'll only make you feel a little bit guilty if you don't. Um, <laughs> exactly. But this really just helps us out, helps keep everything running. And now that we do this weekly, um, it's just one of those things that we, um, I, I don't want to say it's more work. I actually think, you know, sometimes it feels like it's less work. We're having more it's, fun. Uh, there's no debating when the schedule is going to be like when we're going to do this, uh, but we love doing it and we hope you enjoy it too. So uh, this is something that if you do want to help out, it's there, just go to the forum at woodtalkonline.com, look in the right hand column. And there's a couple of simple buttons there to click and you can cancel it at any time. If you decide that, uh, Matt is too annoying and you don't want to listen to him anymore, you can cancel. It's okay. My family does it to me all the time. That's why I have to eat my Whopper meals alone. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so if you want to check that out, we'll mention it periodically on the show um, so that people who uh, are interested in that can do it. And, and if you do it and the people who are already doing it, we really appreciate it. It really helps us uh, keep this train of moving. Absolutely. And, yeah, as you said, there's no obligation. Think of it as like NPR. You know, some <laughs> of you like to donate, some of you like to listen, and some of you just like, you know, like NP what? <laughs> they, lo- they love to hate. Um, exactly. You know what's what's interesting? I was talking to Nicole about this. Have you ever heard a podcast that went for, I don't know, four years, almost five years with a very unpredictable schedule, suddenly in like the fifth year going, we're going to take this seriously? <laughs> like, uh, if, if, if there is one out there, I stopped listening to it about year two, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we actually went totally the opposite of what most podcasts do. They typically fade and get less frequent and more you know, unpredictable, and then they just go away altogether. So, so I personally am glad that we're now able to pull in some advertisers and get more support to just help us keep doing the show every week. We can keep making it better and better. Exactly. And, and, and absolutely enjoying it. And like you said, the main thing is to offset you know any of the hosting stuff that we're going to get into because really people on the backside, we could bore the living daylights out of you with uh, some of that stuff. But we're not going to do that because yeah. we love you. We do. We do. And uh, hey, one thing else, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is that if you have a tip or trick and you want to send us something via voicemail, MP3, you could plug your website or your blog if you want to. Uh, we're going to keep mentioning that too to remind you that you could send stuff in. We love to play stuff from the community and share some information because clearly as the guy mentioned in the beginning between the three of us we make a pretty good woodworker there's a third of a brain in each of us (laughs) that's it all right so matt you want to give him that contact info and we'll get out of here all right folks as always if you have a comment a question a topic suggestion maybe one of those tips like mark was just talking about you have several different ways to contact us leave us a voicemail on skype our username is woodtalkonline Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Leave us a comment over at the Wood Talk Facebook page. And again, if you're looking for any of this information or the show notes or the downloads or you just want to see those funny pictures of us over on the left-hand side of the column, look for us at woodtalkshow.com. 
Very good. I just burped. And uh, hold on. Okay, I feel better now. All right. I couldn't hear <laughs> the jets were flying over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. We, uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, see you. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.